I, I don't know how many of you were, were convicted just, just watching that. Like there has to be a better way in our lives than just the, the hurried pace that so many of us feel. Um, I know for a long time that I, I've struggled in this area uh, of hurry and impatience, and where I've heard that the most from is actually from my wife and kids. They've told me some, mostly gently, they've, they've told me, but I've been convicted, deeply convicted, that, that I need a change. And one of those times of conviction happened recently when I was actually uh, driving with, with my kids. In fact, um, to get to our house, we have to drive down this residential street that is uh, just one lane going one way, one lane going the other way, and this, this street, uh, because they're trying to slow people down, it's 25 miles per hour, they have installed a digital sign that just shows you your speed when you're, when you're going down the street. And so if you're not going 25 miles an hour, let's say you're going 35 miles an hour, it just flashes your speed, like flashes at you, 35, 35, 35, 35, you know? But then if you're going too fast, it doesn't show you your speed anymore, it actually just says some words. Anybody know what words? What, word, what words does it say? Sometimes it says slow down. The one on my street, uh, uh, I've been told. I I'm not sure I've seen this myself. It says, <laughs> it says too fast. Too fast. Too fast. I mean, it just flashes at you. Too fast, too fast, too fast, too fast. Now, the conviction for me has happened is that every single time I've been with my kids um, going down our street, and this thing flashes, my kids just look at me and they say, Dad, it says too fast again. It's too fast. Dad, it's too fast, too fast. And I'm like, pipe down back there. Dad's getting you places, all right? Like, you know, we, sometimes we feel like the speed, we're like winning at life, you know? But the moment God really, really like pierced my heart, it happened through my youngest daughter, Avery. It was just the two of us driving. She was in the back seat and we were driving down this road again, like we do every time getting to our, our house. And this thing said, too fast again. And my daughter Avery, in just the most gentle, humble voice you could ever imagine, like just honestly, picture like Cindy Lou Who. She just looks at me and she says, Daddy, why does it always say too fast every single time we're on the street? And I'm like, and I didn't hear like an audible voice from God, but I literally just felt God press on my heart in that moment for the, through this little girl's words. I felt like God was saying, that sign is not a sign about the speed of your car. It's a sign about the pace of your life. It's dominated by hurry and impatience. Can, can anybody else relate with that? Anybody else relate? If so, this series is for you. It's, it's for me. It's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. It's, some of it's based on a book I read recently by that title by a man named John Mark Comer. I wanna give him credit because you'll hear some of his teaching leak out through this. It's a great book if you've never read it before. But today as we start, um, I, I brought this chair on stage. This is a chair from um, one of our campuses. And I brought this on stage because I just need you to know as, as we go throughout this series that I am teaching to myself as much as anybody here. I really, really mean that because outside of one topic we're gonna to talk about in this series, I am teaching from a deep sense of struggle and a deep sense of weakness. And, and that's okay because when I'm weak, God can be strong. It's God's word that has the power. And as we were planning for this series over a year ago, as we've been prepping the last six weeks, um, I'm gonna teach some of the series, Dave Stone's gonna teach some of the series. And as we were talking and 
Mark and some of our team were talking, we really felt like this series is coming at a really opportune time just for where our world is at. And today as we start the series, I just want you to know I'm gonna introduce the problem. But when we get to the end, I'm not gonna solve the problem today. How many of you know that there's some problems so deep you can't solve them in a a 30-minute talk? We're gonna get to solution space in the weeks to come, but today if you just get to the end and you still feel tension at the end, that means I've done my job. All right, I've done my job, you're welcome, all right? Where does this tension come from when it comes to, to just this pace and hurry in our lives? I think it comes because what is the opposite of hurry? What is it? It's slow, it's a slow down. And in many ways, we've convinced ourselves that slow is bad, right? I mean, you tell me, like I am diametrically like opposed to slow sometimes. I'm like, slow? No, I got stuff to do, I got places to go. And slow has almost become a bad word in our culture. It really has. I mean, think about it. When we go to a movie and the movie's boring and bad, what do we say about the movie? That's pretty slow. Slow movie. Don't watch that movie, right? When you go to a restaurant and the restaurant service is really, really bad, what do we say about it? It's slow. Don't go there. Even when you think someone's mentally not keeping up or they're not really, you know, capable in a role they're in, we, we actually call them what? I mean, let me just tell you what the dictionary says. Listen to, this is straight from Merriam-Webster. Watch. Slow is what? Mentally dull. Having qualities that hinder rapid progress or action. You're like, amen. Naturally inert or sluggish, lacking in life, boring. The, The message in our culture is super clear. Slow is bad, fast is good, and I feel amazing about myself right now, right? Let's close in prayer. Father, we learned a lot today, you know. No, I mean, as a follower of Jesus, and I know not everyone here is a follower of Jesus, and that's what I love about our church is if you're not, you can be here and you can explore who Jesus is, but eventually we want you to go all in with Jesus. And going all in with Jesus means you wanna shape your life after the life of Jesus, which means this, not just that you know what Jesus taught, but that we begin to live our lives the way Jesus lived. He has a way of living and we can emulate his life and that's what we're designed to do. It's the only way we'll have the life we want, the marriage we want, the family we want, the relationships we want, the career we want. And when I study the life of Jesus on this topic, and I'm just telling you, I've been studying the life of Jesus a ton just on the topic we're gonna talk about in the next following weeks. Here's my conclusion and I think it defines the problem for us. The problem is this, there isn't one place in scripture where Jesus was in a hurry. Not one. Like we we cannot find a place in scripture where Jesus is like, Peter, let's go, come on. Thomas, why does it take you so long to get off your donkey? We got places to go, people to heal, let's go. Mary, the food isn't here yet, come on, let's go. We find the exact opposite. Jesus' pace in his life was so slow and unhurried. You might think, well, maybe he didn't have a lot to do. Are you kidding me? I mean, his schedule was packed. In three years of ministry, Jesus accomplished more in three years than any of us will in our lifetime. He had people to help, places to go. And yet, get this, there isn't even one place in scripture we can find that Jesus ran. He didn't even jog. Matthew 1:16, what do we see? Over and over again. And Jesus what? Say it out loud. Jesus walked. 
He even walked on water. I mean, he's got this slow, steady pace, unhurried. And what's so convicting about that is if I felt like there was a verse written about my life today, it'd be Ashley 1.16. And Ashley ran frantically. He's going crazy all the time. So what? There's not one place in scripture that Jesus was in a hurry. If I looked at my life today, I'd say this. When I look at my life, there's hardly a day I'm not in a hurry. Can you relate? Can anybody else relate? Apparently a lot of us can because doctors and psychologists have actually coined a new disease many of us have. They've literally looked at our culture and looked at what's going on in this world today and they've coined a new phrase, a disease, they call it this, hurry sickness. So literally, from doctors, it was actually coined by cardiologists Meyer Friedman and Ray Rosamond in their groundbreaking research. These heart doctors did groundbreaking research where they linked type A personalities and heart issues and disease. They linked them together. Now, this phrase was coined by heart doctors. Why? Because this issue becomes something that affects our hearts in more ways than you could imagine. And a definition for hurry sickness, one of them, is this. is a behavior pattern characterized by continual rushing and anxiousness. And if you struggle with anxiety, sometimes the canary in the coal mine is simply that telling you your life is out of control when it comes to hurry and the pace in which you're going. And some of you might go, well, yeah, that, that's hurry sickness, but how would I know if I have hurry sickness, Ashley? Like, how would I know? Well, there's a quiz. And I'm gonna give you the quiz right now. It's six questions, all right? I just want you to take the quiz, just score yourself on these six questions. You just answer, is that me? Yes, give yourself a one, or no, give yourself a zero. And just be honest today, okay? This is not my quiz, this is just a quiz they give people if they have hurry sickness. Here's question number one, they ask people, you treat everything like a race. Some of you are like, it's not? What is going on, you know? Uh, let, me, let me tease this one out a little bit. How would you know? Do you ever at the grocery store move from one line to another because the other's shorter? <laughs> why wouldn't you? I'm like, why wouldn't you do that, you know? Have you ever, when you drive, are you always constantly switching lanes, getting in the lane with the less cars or moving rapidly faster? If you ever go to Disneyland, do you ever not enjoy the day because you have to win at the lines, beat Disney? I literally just got back a, a week ago. I took my daughter for her birthday, and, and it took everything inside me not to be like, because uh, my personality is like, we will win. And you can't win against the lines at Disney. You can't do it, you know? But this is one. You, it's a race. Number two, here's question number two. You find it impossible to do just one task at a time. Some of you have been trying to sit through this service and absorb what God wants to tell you, and you've been texting someone else. So here's your sign. Just mark yourself a one on that one, okay, if you did that, all right? How many of you, you multitask to a, to a point where you forget one of your tasks? Yep, that's you, one, all right? Here's number three. You get highly irritable when experiencing a delay. I mean, I've admitted to you guys that on the, I admitted that like two weeks ago on the message. Three, or four, you feel perpetually behind schedule. Five, you interrupt or talk over people. Scoring yourself? Last question. You're obsessed with checking things off your to-do list. Now just score yourself for a minute. Did anybody here score zero out of six? Can I see hands on every one of our campuses? Anybody zero out of six? I see hardly any hands on the campus I'm at, which means we all have a problem, right? 
to some degree. Now, I scored myself, honestly, and I scored myself a five out of six until I showed this list to my wife. <laughs> and then she scored me and she said, no, you're actually a six out of six. I'm like, give me a break, you know, come on. Do you have hurry sickness? Experts, when they study hurry sickness, say that at the top of the professions that struggle with this is pastors, along with doctors and CEOs and a few other professions. But no matter who you are today, no matter what situation you're in, single moms, others, I don't have an excuse and you don't have an excuse either. And let me tell you why. When we study the life of Jesus, what does Jesus say is the greatest command on earth? He actually said it's two, they're equal, to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love others as, you, as yourself. In other words, you can summarize all the commands Jesus said, it's to love God and love the people around you. That is our greatest commandment, that love should be the defining element of our life if you're a follower of Jesus. Now, luckily, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we have a whole chapter that helps us define what love is. And when you read this chapter, what is the first thing when we define love, what is the first thing we're told that love is? First Corinthians chapter 13, verse four, love is what? Say it out loud, do you know it? Love is what? Patient? What? Why would you put that first? Now, when you read that, I'm gonna tell you something, and, and I'm wrestling with this because this pierces me, you ready? Just let, someone here needs to hear this. If love is patient, that means that love and hurry are utterly incompatible. Love and hurry are incompatible with each other. And when I see that, my soul is pierced with conviction because here's what I know. The people that I hurry the most, that I'm impatient with the most, are the people I love the most. My wife and kids. I am so ashamed to tell you this next story but I'm gonna tell it to you because I'm gonna keep it real. It's the only way I know how to do it, okay? Um, I, for years, I've struggled. When I pull into a parking lot and I put the car into park, I feel like my kids go into slow motion. I literally feel like when I put it into park, they'll, they'll hurry, they'll rush all of the places. And I put it into park to get out of the car, they're like, okay, dad. You know, they're like, I'm like, let's go. I was dropping my, my kids off at Target. They asked to go to Target. I think they were visiting some friends, and so Jamie and I are pulling up to drop them off at a Target, and there's a line that forms behind me when I'm, when I'm pulling up the front of Target. I'm like, I don't wanna keep all these people waiting. I'm like, let's go, let's go, come on, let's go. They're getting out of the car. The door must not even have closed yet, and I take off, and I literally ran over the toes of my oldest daughter. It's not a joke. I literally ran over the toes of my, now she was fine, she didn't get hurt or anything, and luckily she was, luckily I was in a hurry, because you can imagine I rolled over it slow, you know what I mean, it's like, yeah, you're welcome, you're welcome, you know? But what, <laughs> so bad. What hurt me so bad is, is she hadn't even closed the door yet, and she looked at me with these eyes, and she said, Daddy, why are you so impatient? I'm like, well, maybe next time you'll learn to get out a little quicker, you know? <laughs> I'm like, all joking aside, it 
it just pierces me to know how much I struggle with this topic. When I look at my life, here's what I wrote in my notes. Sometimes the way I'm living my life is withholding love from the lives of those around me I love the most. The way I'm living my life is sometimes withholding love from those I love the most because I am too much in a hurry. And love and hurry are incompatible. They're not. In fact, I took it a step deeper and I said sometimes the way I'm doing the work of God is hurting actually the work of God in me. I wonder if we wouldn't look at that and say, there has to be a better way. There has to be a better way, and I wanna tell you there is. In fact, uh, I love what Dallas Willard said. I think he's a spiritual giant. He said this, I'm, I'm learning this is really true, that hurry is the great enemy of the spiritual life in our day. And some of you are, are like, hurry's the great enemy? <laughs> really? Like, let's look around, Ashley. Like, what about evil? Like, what about evil? What about Satan himself? What about Seahawks? No, what about them? What about the Seahawks, you know? I mean, hurry? Like, you're telling me hurry is like one of the number one evils in our world today? Isn't that a little overblown, that statement? And you need to think about this a little deeply because, listen, your enemy, Satan, we're told in 1 Peter, is like a roaring lion just prowling around looking for someone to devour. And how does a lion hunt? A lion hides. He doesn't make himself as visible. He hides until he's ready to pounce and destroy someone. And Satan's goal in your life and mine is simply this. If he can disconnect us from God, he can destroy our lives. Because when we're disconnected from God, we won't hear from God, we won't listen to God, and we will live a life that is outside of God's plan, which will be destructive. So Satan just has to disconnect us What if Satan's grand plan was to, in a sneaky, devious way, to disconnect you by drawing your attention, being so hurried to so many different things that you're not even listening to God anymore? You're not even hearing from God, and so your marriage and your relationships and your your dating and your career, it becomes destroyed simply because your attention has been misdirected and Satan did it to you. I mean, your attention is one of your greatest commodities and so many of us, here's what we, we think about Satan. We know there's evil forces that are out to, to get us, but the way we think about Satan sometimes is, oh, I, I'd know if he was coming. I'd see him. He'd, he'd, he'd have like a pitchfork and red tights. I'd not recognize if he was coming in my life. And I have determined that is absolutely untrue. He is so much more sneaky and devious than you could ever imagine. What if, what if Satan's greatest way that he could show up in your life is through a bunch of notifications on your phone distracting you, and he'd work that way as much as he would just a sexual temptation he'd bring in your life. What if that's his way to disconnect you? What if Satan is just as likely to show up in an addiction to social media as he is an addiction to a substance to just pull you away from God? See, please hear this. (laughs) If Satan can't make you sin, he'll often make you busy. Because if he can make you busy, he can distract you and pull you away from God and he can destroy you. A pastor friend of mine once said, for many of us, the great danger in our life is not that we would renounce our faith, is that we would become so rushed and so busy that we would actually settle for a mediocre version of our faith. That we would skim through life 
instead of actually living life. So what's the answer? I mean, what do we do with that? I mean, you're like, okay, I'm in a hurry. So, like, get to the, like, what's the point? What's the solution? For many of us, here's what we think the solution is. We think, I just need more time. Like, if I just had two to three hours more per day. Have you ever said that? If I just had three hours more per day, it would kind of solve a lot of issues in my life. You ever said, I've said that, I think I've said that. Do you know if you had more time, three to four hours more time in your day, do you know it would not solve your issues with hurry? Here's why. If you had more time, if you could wave a magic wand today and God instantly gave you four more hours in the day than every other human on earth, do you know it wouldn't solve your issues? In many instances, it would make them worse. Because what you would fill your time with with that extra time is what you're already filling your time with today. And it would even make you maybe even more burned out than you are today. And I'll, I'll prove it to you. Do you look, just go look at your screen time this week. Pull up your phone, pull up your screen time. Did you know when most people's highest screen time is during the week? It's during their day off. The day you have the most time is the day you fill your time with something that's just sucking the life out of you sometimes the most. And guess what? We have more time today than we have in history. Almost in human history, we have more time. We have Instapots versus Crock-Pots. We have a Roomba that vacuums for us versus us having to vacuum. We have maps, Apple Maps and Waze that get us faster places than having to look at a paper map. We have more time-saving devices than in human history, and yet most of us feel like we have less time than we've ever had. Having more time in your day, just God instantly giving you more time is not the answer than what is. Ephesians chapter five, we get a hint. Paul tells us this in Ephesians chapter five, 15 and 16, he says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making, watch this, making the best use of the time. Why, Paul? Because the days are evil. According to Paul, when, when, when culture shifts, when people are turning away from God, which is what we're experiencing in our world and our nation today, Paul says one of the answers you have to look at is you have to make the best use of your time. And this original Greek phrase here is so amazing because it literally means, what Paul says, you need to redeem your time. To redeem your time. What if there was a way to redeem your time in your days that would allow you to have the life God always wanted for you? See, God has already given you all the time you need to accomplish everything he wants you to do. Which means if you don't have enough time in your day, it means you're taking on something that God hadn't in, didn't intend you to actually do. So we have to learn to redeem our time. To not live these over-anxious, crazy, rushed lives. There has to be a better way. And we're gonna look at a better way throughout this series by looking at the life of Jesus. Today I wanna show you a verse that Jesus said about this whole topic and we're gonna try to read this verse every week throughout the series and I'd encourage you, if you're gonna memorize a verse, this is a great verse to memorize, just let the words of Jesus, let them hit you afresh today. Listen to Jesus. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, come to me, come on. All of you who are weary and burdened and I will give you what? Give you rest. Take my yoke 
upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I wanna point out a couple things about this verse that I think are significant. One is, who does Jesus say this rest he wants for us, this new way of living, who's it for? It's not for the righteous, it's not for the religious. Who's it for? It's for all. Which means no matter who you are today, no matter how far you feel from God, God wants something better for you. This is for everyone. But to have this rest that Jesus wants for us, what do we have to take on? Jesus says, you have to take on my yoke. And some of us are like, yoke? What's he talking about? Was Jesus yoked? Like, I don't, what's this deal? You know, I'm sure he was, but um, this yoke Jesus is talking about needs some explanation, and we've talked about it in our services before. Mark's mentioned this before, but here's what a yoke looks like. In Jesus' day, this would have been so familiar with his first century audience. Everyone knew what a yoke was, but a yoke is actually an instrument that's used for work. In other words, you can take you know, two oxen and put them through the yoke, and using this yoke, they can accomplish more together and ease the burden on each other, and they can plow through, this is a farming equipment tool, they can plow through a field better and easier and lighter together than they ever could on their own. Jesus says, take on my yoke, my way, and with me, it'll be light and less burdensome, this life. Now let me point out a few things. One is Jesus isn't giving us a get out of free, a get out of jail free card about just living your life and just like being lazy and doing nothing. Because remember, a yoke is a tool for work, which means Jesus expects us to be productive. And this life isn't going to be easy. We have things he expects us to do. But what he's saying is, if you take on my yoke, I'll make it lighter. I'll make it better. I'll make it easy. It's easy. Jesus did not say, take on my chair or take on my mattress. He said, take on my yoke. Jesus also says that when you take on my yoke, this life isn't gonna be always easy. But when you plow through life and you plow through even the hard times, I will allow you to live a life that feels restful and fulfilling. Doesn't that sound good? I wanna read this verse from the message translation because I think it's just so rich and so deep. Listen to this from the message translation, same verse. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, you'll, and, and, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Watch this, walk with me. Isn't it interesting? We don't say run with Jesus, we say you should walk with Jesus, right? Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And CCV, that is exactly what we're gonna learn to do in the next four weeks. To have a way of living that allows you to live freely and lightly again. I told you the, the story at the beginning of the message about me driving down this, this street that we, we always take to get to my house, this residential street, and it says, too fast, too fast, too fast, too fast. And God pierced my heart, and one of the things I feel like he revealed to me is he said, Ashley, the way you live your life doesn't just affect you, it affects everyone that's along for the ride, including those that you love the most. 
And I was so convicted by that, but then something so ironic happened. And this is a true story. Literally, the moment after I felt so convicted by my youngest daughter, Avery, a week later, I'm driving down that road, and I had no idea they're gonna do this. They installed four speed bumps on that road. <laughs> and I thought to myself, is this because of me? Like, is this because of me? <laughs> you know? But what we're gonna learn over the next four weeks is we're gonna learn four speed bumps. Just kind of figuratively, four things that God has for our lives that literally can slow us down and allow us to actually live the life he really intended for us. And I believe this could be the most powerful series we do at CCV all year long because so many of us struggle. But today, what I want you to do is, again, I told you I'm not gonna solve it all, but I wanna leave you with an exercise. And today, what I want you to do is I want you to just take inventory of your life this week. Just every day, just take inventory of how rushed, how busy, how impatient are you. And maybe one way you can do that is you can take these six things of the, the hurry sickness list and just say, how often is this happening every day? Because you can't solve what you won't identify and be honest about. And I think if we had identify it, it would really help us in the weeks to come of just what kind of issue do I have? You may even need to apologize to someone this week for your impatience. That's something I've tried to do with, with my family recently of just say, I'm, I'm sorry. But in the coming weeks, we are going to learn from the life of Jesus how to ruthlessly eliminate hurry, to move from impatience to actually love and finding the life we've always wanted. I'm so excited for this journey together. Um, in fact, next week, I'll just give you a sneak peek um, I'm gonna show you an interview I recently did with the CEO of Hobby Lobby, David Green. And it is an incredible interview that I'm gonna show you next week um, as a part of the, the message because he, he has something to say. He's living out something that I think some, he's living out better than anybody I know. But today, just take inventory of your life, okay? Just begin to take inventory of your life. And to close today, I, I wanna just read that verse one more time from Matthew chapter 28. And I want you to close your eyes as I read it. So if every eye closed on every campus, I would just let, I would just let, this, let this sink into your heart today. The words of Jesus to you. Remember, to everyone. This is what Jesus wants for you. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you will learn to live freely and lightly. Father, today we just, we pray to you and we ask that throughout this series you would you teach us in a way that many of us can reorient our lives around what you just said to find some new rhythms that will allow us to, to live our lives at a pace that doesn't break things, that doesn't live our lives in an unloving way to those around us, but God, a way, that, a way to live as you promised that can give peace and purpose and a lightness to, light or many, uh, to life where many of us will smile again, laugh more, and even through the hard times, we take on your yoke that allows us to be unburdened and lightened. Father, it's what we want. 
And we pray that you do a great work in our lives throughout this series. In Jesus' name, amen.